Correct. It's, do you want to go backward in time or forward in time from where we left off two weeks ago? That was the discussion. I'm prepared to do either one. Forward. Forward in time. All right. We're going to handle the text as it comes to us in Revelation. And we can close that uh, those doors too. So we're going to handle the text. Do I look presentable or is it a mess? Yeah, it's just, I just want it out of my way, so. All right, if you'll turn to Revelation, chapter 6, we are going to press on, which means that we have uh, taken two weeks to rest, because, which represents 2,000 years. So if you ever wondered how long a thousand years is, um, it takes about a week to cover that. For the Lord, a day equals a thousand years, but for us, it's going to be a week. We're a little slower. So we left off last week, I'm sorry, we left off two weeks ago with the fifth seal having opened, and we discussed the necessity of this not being... uh, the wrath of God, that how can it be God's wrath being poured out on the, his, chi- his children, on his church? Um, in fact, that this is the tribulation that Jesus spoke of in, in Matthew 24 uh, and many other passages, as well as the early church uh, fathers taught that there would be great tribulation, that that would be the experience of the Christian community. That we would be martyred. That this is the age of martyrdom. That martyrdom is not something we anticipate in the outpouring of God's wrath. We do not call them martyrs when God kills them. We call that judgment. Uh, martyrdom happens when men uh, exercise their hatred against uh, the godly. And so we find the martyrs were the fifth seal. And as I shared two weeks ago, that was the critical turning point for me in my study. This is really where it started for me of really how can this be the wrath of God compared to the traditional view of the handling of the seals. And so we also have within this text the first chronological question. How long? And that's the big question, isn't it? Still to this day, how long? We don't have the answer. We have not the answer in hours, years, centuries, any of that. We have the hour in an event. Uh, that the, When this event occurs, then God will begin to judge. Um, remember the, in verse 10 of chapter 6, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Um, not happening yet. God has not chosen yet to avenge our blood. He has not started to judge the blood of his saints. That's going to be coming, um, but it's not occurred yet. So we had a, an answer. God answered their question and said, rest a little while longer. How long is a little while? We don't know. But we do know the event that we're waiting for, and the event, of course, is that all those who would be killed as they were was completed. And so we are in this time frame. This is where we live, is right in this verse. If you want to put your finger on and say, where are we in the chronology of prophecy, you are in this verse. 
Uh, you are in the wait until the time of all the, saint, uh, all the martyrs is completed. And so we had the uh, first four seals, all represented by horsemen. Uh, as the ongoing, remember the key words were to and fro for the first four seals. The fifth seal we saw is the martyrdom. And these, of course, are correlated with Matthew 24 perfectly. Where Christ says, you, speaking to the disciples as representatives of the church, you will see these things. The end is not yet. And these are the beginnings, not the conclusion of the beginnings of sorrows. Not referring to the sorrows of the world, but of ours that these are what we will endure on this side. And so we find that the end is not yet. Things are happening. These five things are going to continue to go on. This is not one period of martyrdom. This isn't one very short, abbreviated period. Christ says, you're going to have to rest a while. It's going to take some time. And over that course of that time, many people are going to die for the name of Christ. And we are waiting for that to come to conclusion. We are waiting for that period of time to end. And so we are in this time to wait a little while. Or rest, I think it says. So we wait. With these five things going on across time and around the world. So we are waiting. It will then conclude when we reach that event and we are looking for that event marker. Not necessarily a time marker, um, but it is an event that closes out the church age. Uh, not when the last person gets saved, but when the last person is martyred, that we have the event marker. And so you have this huge marker by God, an incredible statement that, all right, you want to know the time frame. Remember, that's also what the disciples asked. When will these things happen? And Jesus Christ says, well, let me get your thinking straightened out here a little bit. Before those things ever happen, all these other things have to happen. He lists off the things exactly in the order, pretty much, as what we have in Revelation chapter 6 of the seals. Um, get your mind around that thing. He's going to give you another event marker. There's a big event marker in Matthew 24 that we do not have yet here in Revelation. Um, we're going to get to it. But you wanted to go forward instead of back. So we're going to press on. So we're going to look into a, uh, that event marker. The last person gets martyred. Wow, what happens then? So you have the <laughs> last martyr. Who is it? We don't know. When is it? We're not really sure. But we know this is a time of martyrdom. When is enough enough in God's eternal plan? That's the question. So, let's just put a stake in our timeline and say, uh, whatever it is from the time of John's prophetic vision, um, which we know now is, is uh, less than 2,000 years. Um, we're really at about 19. Oh, let's see here. If this was around 760-something, 60, 60 so we're at about, what, 1950, uh, something like that? 60... Add six, subtract 60, 
We're about 1954. Welcome to the 50s. Okay, we're about 1,954 years or so, within a five years or so, of the revelation to John. And so we have now uh, at least 1,950 years has gone by um, without um, Christ coming. A time martyrdom. When that last martyr is slain for the gospel's sake, and we're not really talking about the last martyr overall because I recognize 144,000 are also going to be martyred in the first seven years. And they're going to uh, be a focal point here in a little bit, um, probably in two weeks. But um, this is really the last martyr of the church age. I should qualify that. And this is of the church age. So when we put this marker in the ground in our timeline... Whenever it is, and it's somewhere future, we then can move on in Revelation chapter 6. But we can't chronologically cross this line until this event occurs. So we're still living in this verse. We're still living in verse 11. We are waiting. We are resting. We're in the little while longer. Um, how long that will be is is a question we can Guess, but uh, that's dangerous. Um, I can tell you that soon. It's a lot sooner than when it was written. It's a lot sooner than this vision, and by two thousand, almost two thousand years. And so we are waiting for that last martyr. Once that last martyr comes, then we can look in verse twelve and following chronologically. Then we can press on into the events of this chapter, the balance of this chapter, and the next chapter. And so. When that last martyr of the church happens, there are three important events chronologically that have to occur. Let me draw a chronological line on here and uh, do it that way. I think that's probably the most helpful thing. So we're going to put up a timeline, and we've seen that, of course, on our audio, on our fancy press, pressy. So there's the cross. Um, we've had the uh, resurrection occur, the empty tomb. That's the stone that's rolled away from the tomb. Can you tell that? Here, I need to make finish my stone. There we go. So we have an empty tomb. We have the ascension. We have the Christ arrival in heaven. Who is the lion? Lamb. And we have him breaking the seals. So all these seals are broken. One, two, three, four, five. And they are all broken almost together. And they, their results are come down on earth within that time frame of the early church. We see them in the book of Acts already active. Uh, we, we see them, we see all five of them uh, active. We, John himself has already written multiple books about Antichrist being all over the place. That there are those who are against Christ and those that are false Christs that we see all over throughout the church, already in the early years of the church. And so all of these we find going on during the church age. And so this is the implementation of this parenthetical time period, which I'm going to abbreviate, but, uh, and we're going to call it rest a little while. And this is the church age. 
And so we have this parenthetical period, which we know will be 1,000, um, technically um, from Christ's death, we're about the 1970s, if that, or eight, close to 1980, um, since Christ's death. So when we look at this, we, we can say, okay, this event marker comes. We can plant it. At the end of the church age, there is this event, last martyr. This will set forward a series of rapid events. And we saw these rapidly opened up. Boom, 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 boom. Five in a row. Boom, 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 boom. And, and you're like, things are happening. And all of a sudden, God comes into the equation and says, we're going to rest a little while now. Hold up. We're going to wait. And then we come into verse 12. And I looked. And he opened uh, the second seal. or the, I'm sorry, the sixth seal in verse 12. And behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Now, we have just been introduced to a term we've been waiting to hear. And that is, when does God's wrath start? Our traditional view would hold that it started with the breaking of the seals in verse 1 of chapter 6. But it's not until we get to the sixth seal out of seven, remember there's seven seals, we're in the sixth, that we find any comment at all about the wrath of God. In fact, remember the martyrs who are in heaven say, why aren't you judging anyone yet? Okay? So what does that tell you? Has God started? No. Now is the first time we have any reference to God's wrath. That is, his angry punishment or judgment of the earth. And um, it's a little misplaced because of who the speakers are. The people who are talking are not heavenly creatures. The people who are talking are not prophets. The people who are talking are not Christians. Who's speaking in this verse? Who is declaring the wrath of the Lamb has come? Who's speaking in this passage? The people left behind. It is the people who want the rocks to fall on them. It's the people who weren't looking for Christ, but got a look at Christ. And that's going to shatter all of your media conceptions of what the rapture will be like. We have the idea of a secret rapture, that it's going to happen, and that no one on earth is going to see it except for Christians, and that uh, it's just going to, boom, we're all going to disappear, and everybody's going to go, what happened? I missed something. Um, nowhere is that portrayed in Scripture. Yes, it says in a twinkling of an eye in Thessalonians that we will be transformed. Um, that's not referring necessarily to all the event. That's referring to the singular process of going from this flesh to that flesh, that body, that spiritual body, that we are in a twinkling of eye, we are going to be converted 
if you will, transformed from this physical body into our spiritual, eternal body. Without the decay and without any time going by, that we will join those who have been resurrected from the dead. They rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught together. All of that catching up and transforming ourselves happens in a twinkling of an eye. That does not mean the entire event of the rapture happens in a twinkling of an eye. We have taken that description and applied it to the entire event when really its application is only to the transforming event. How, when, and what is, how long does it take for us to go from here to there? To go from this body to that body? How long does it take us to go from, from standing on earth to, to being in the clouds with Christ? The twinkling of an eye. Boom. It's a radical work of God that is not referring to the entire event. As we're going to see right here. And we're going to see it in Matthew 24 as well. So I know this is very different than what's being taught out there, than what's being portrayed in the videos. Uh, and so I want to take some time deliberately to do this uh, tonight. And so let's, we, we've read this passage. Let's take it apart a little bit. And then we're going to go to Matthew 24 and see how it opens up. So here we have with the last martyr. And boom, the sixth seal is broken open. And so we have this sixth seal. It's broken and we have enormous events occurring, which obviously have not occurred yet. Uh, they didn't occur back then uh, on this scale that's being talked about here. Uh, and uh, they will occur in the future. There'll be other aspects. We did have air earthquakes, but they were in various places. But this is referring to something on a global scale that is just mind-boggling. And so out of this sixth seal, we find this, these events. Here we go. Let's write them down. I want to make sure I get them in the right order. There was a great earthquake. This is the first thing we find. Not a, not a regular earthquake. This is a great one. And again, this is all about scale. We have two things happening simultaneously. What are they? We have the sun going dark. And what else going dark? It says the moon became like blood. Now there's been a lot out there right now about blood moons and, um, uh, and about the prophecies in Joel. And, and I'm not going to have time to get into those tonight. If you would like me to get into those, I can do that, but you need to tell me you want to hear about it. I'll have to take some work to get ready for by next Sunday to do that. Um, but the, the Joel passage is really for the Israeli community for Israel to be able to identify uh, when significant events occur in their history. And yes, it does refer to that. Um, this, though, is very different than the blood moons of Joel. This is referring to a singular event. And uh, a lot of people have been attaching blood moons to the idea of lunar eclipses. And certainly that's uh, inclusive of what a blood moon means in Scripture, but it's not exclusively just lunar eclipses. Okay? Does that make sense? Um, let, me, let me see if I can... In the, in the, in the set, <laughs> I use mathematical terms like Pastor Leachman, maybe we've been listening to his teaching too often. In the set called Blood Moons... <laughs> Ooh, can't spell moons. 
There is a subset called eclipses. I don't know how to spell that. Um, and there is another subset of other kinds of blood moons, and this is one of them, where the moon becomes blood, and this is the Revelation one. And so, um, I do not believe that we're referring here to an eclipse. This would be a lunar and solar eclipse simultaneous, globally. Um, how would that happen? Can it happen? No, because the one has the moon going between the two, and the other one has the, one, the earth going between the two. So you can't have the moon and the earth both between the sun and the moon and the earth. Right? And so these are happening simultaneously. So there's something else causing this, this phenomenon. And it is a disruption, really, of the entire atmosphere. Uh, in fact, we have had that experience um, in my lifetime, probably in the lifetime of a lot of you. How many of you were alive during Desert Storm? When Iraq invaded Kuwait. How many of you were not alive when Iraq invaded Kuwait? That is scary how long, young some of you are. Um, that was that long ago. 91. How many of you were born after 91? You were born in 91. You were born right about then. So if you're younger than Brenda, you weren't alive to watch Iraq invade Kuwait. What Iraq did was they set the oil wells of Kuwait on fire. And the smoke from all of that fire created what they called a blood moon. The sky in the sunlight and in the moonlight was red. And you couldn't see the sun or moon through it because of the smoke, the disruption in the atmosphere. And that was visible. Uh, I mean, the satellite images were incredible of how much disturbance atmospherically that act of setting all those oil wells on fire uh, did for that region and extending uh, farther east. And so that is one of the subcategories of blood moons. So I'm not going to discount eclipses. Uh, I can talk about that, like I said, if you want. I, it, but I'm not going to press into it if, if you're not thrilled about it. Um, but it also, there's a disruption. So you have here, uh, uh, w along with a giant earthquake, something disruptive of the atmosphere. Something has stirred up, and whether it's smoke or dust, has stirred up uh, quantities of atmospheric pollution on a scale that we have never, ever seen. Verse 13, And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. And so in addition to this, this atmospheric darkness, we have um, a... Uh, we, we know that we, we call them meteorites. Meteorites. Um, some people believe it's a comet. Um, whatever atmospheric or, or space entity that's referred to as stars here. And stars is not a technical term in the Bible. Okay, so we see the star of Bethlehem. That is not a, a technical, you know, well, we have to distinguish planets from stars, from meteorites. To That's just not, the, the, that kind of language, that, that kind of distinguishment just um, isn't in Hebrew or Greek. Uh, that's really something in our modern era that we distinguish between those more, more so. Um, and so uh, we have this uh, incredible shower of, of space, <laughs> from space, of what is described as the stars. Um, and the sky, it says, recedes as a scroll when it's rolled up, 
every mountain and island moved out of its place. These are, what it, these are other descriptions of the same things. So the islands being moved out of their place, the mountains, that's the result of what? An earthquake, the sky rolling back, referring to this atmospheric darkness that's being created in waves and rolls and rolls. And uh, people are going to see something in the midst of all this. So obviously this is not in the twinkling of an eye, correct? Would you agree with me that this is not in the twinkling of an eye? But they're going to see something. They're going to see someone in the middle of all of this horrific global stuff happening. They're going to look in the sky. Everyone's attention is going to be in the sky. Why? The ground's moving. Wherever you are, it's gone dark and red. And things are falling out of the sky. Like if you shake a fig tree and all... Uh, if you were out here when the, one of the winds blew and that apricot tree just went... Boom, <laughs> just stand underneath there and just do this. And, and uh, that's what it's going to be like. It's not going to be you know, here and there. It's going to be all over the place on a scale, again, that we have not ever seen. This is a cataclysmic global event that we are waiting for that will be set off when the last martyr occur, occur, uh, martyrdom occurs. We have these things setting forward. And so the rolling back of the scroll, the islands and mountains moving from its place are all evidence of that. And everyone is looking up to the sky. The moon, the sun, and the stars are all different. Things are horrific, and you're looking up, and you're going to see someone. It says, the kings of the earth see the face of the Lamb. Whoa. On his throne. They are going to get a glimpse of Christ on the throne in heaven. Right? Isn't that what they say? We have seen... Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. And so they're going to see <laughs> the one who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. They, we have seen him. They see the throne. They see the Lamb. They've seen his face. And they're going to want to go hide. Because when you're confronted with the holiness of God on this scale, on this level, and you realize, oh man, I am in the wrong place. I should be up there, and I am here. What is the response? I'm better off dead. They're asking for mountains to fall on them, for caves to, to fall in on them. Uh, by the way, where do you go when there's an earthquake? Do you run into caves? <laughs> no, you don't run into caves. Uh, when there's an earthquake, but these people are. They want to die when they have seen the Lamb, when they have seen Him. It, for, uh, for Hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They have seen Him. They see, and, and everyone does. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you're a commander or whether you're a free man or a slave, doesn't matter the kings of the earth, all the great men, everyone sees them. And they all humble themselves and they all say, oh, we're in deep, 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 deep trouble. And they don't know the half of it yet. All they know is they have seen something of a whole different nature than them that is holy, that is pure, that is light. 
and they are in the midst of this cataclysm on earth and they are in trouble. And then in that context, they, should, they, they talk about the wrath has, has come. Well, the wrath hasn't come. In their minds, they consider this to be the wrath of God, but it's nothing compared to what's coming. This is simply God arriving. This is God's arrival. This is the parade of His coming. And again, I want to get you away from the idea that the entire rapture event is in the twinkling of an eye. It begins right here with an earthquake, with a, a atmospheric darkness, with, with a comet or meteorite showers. Uh, you have these celestial things falling on the earth. You have it, people able to see the face of the one on the throne, which at this point is Jesus Christ. Now let's go to Matthew 24. Let's see if we can find this in Matthew 24 anywhere. Because that's been our secondary reference. This is Christ's own teaching. And again, we're going out of order for him because um, we were following Revelation. And so he has a lot to say about the fall of Jerusalem. We're going to get to that much later. Um, and uh, uh, about what's going to happen to Israel and things along that line that we're going to skip tonight. We're going to jump to verse 29 of Matthew 24. So we're now at Matthew 24, 29. Now, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Let's just stop right there. What does that mean? After the tribulation of those days. What are those days referring to? Those days are referring to the church age, the days of martyrdom, in which we are under tribulation. Tribulation, again, let's define it, is the world's actions of hatred against God's people. It is the world opposed to us. It is not the outpouring of God's wrath. You need to vacate that word tribulation as applying to anything referring to God's wrath. The term for God's wrath is God's wrath. Um, the time of Jacob's trouble. Um, the day of the Lord. Those are the biblical reference points for the outpouring of God's wrath. When it comes to tribulation, tribulation is what the church experiences. This is the age of great tribulation because we got these five horsemen or four horsemen running around. We got martyrdom of the saints and we, we've got people crying out in heaven, how long until you avenge our blood? This is the tribulation period. We are in it. And when I, people hear me say, I say, oh, he's a post-trib, he's a mid-tribber. Um, no, because they're referring to the tribulation as seven-year outpouring of God's wrath and I... Don't use that term to refer to that, period. Because the Bible doesn't. And so, when we talk about the, the immediately after the tribulation of those days, we are talking about this same marker point. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. The tribulation is the martyrdom of saints throughout the, those days, the church age, 
when, when that finally ends, immediately, with the last martyr, immediately, something's going to happen. Let's find out what. It says, The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We're going to stop right there. Can't get to verse 31 because that's going to be another message. <laughs> We're not going to condense the rapture into 10 minutes tag on to another message. No way. No way, no way, no way. Okay? So, <laughs> we are at the end of these days, the church age of tribulation. At the very conclusion, what does Jesus say will happen? Sun? Atmospheric darkness? Yep. Meteorites? Or comet shower? Yep. Celestial bodies falling on the earth? Uh, we don't have a lot of reference to the earthquake here, um, other than the fact that everything's going to be shaken. But then... We have the same thing. They're going to see the face. The terminology is almost identical, isn't it? They'll say the sign of the Son of Man. When they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, they will see him coming. Why are they all looking up? Because we got all kinds of stuff happening in the sky. They're going to look up, and he's not coming to the earth. He's coming in the clouds. He's coming. They see it. They go, oh, man, we're in deep trouble. We need to, uh, I'd rather die than face whatever's coming next when he gets here. Because I have been opposing him all my life, and I've rebelled, and I rejected, and I hated his children. Or maybe they're from church and say, oh, man, pastor was right. And I'm doomed. I would rather die than face what's coming because I know he taught what's coming. Either way, it's too late. It's just too late. These people are not repenting, are they? No, they're just wishing themselves dead compared to what's coming. They're sorry that they are... <laughs> going to have to face the wrath, but they are not sorry for their sin in a salvific way. And nor can they be at this point. Because as he comes, as all of this stuff occurs, we do have the rapture event happening. Verse 31 makes it clear. But do you see the correlation? The correlation between Matthew 24, 29 and following, and the sixth seal. It's It's identical. You cannot miss that this is that, and that is this. You can't miss those correlations. So, what does that produce problems with our traditional view? All right, here's the traditional view. Is that Matthew 24, 29 to 31, is referring to um, Christ's second coming at the end of the seven years of, quote-unquote, tribulation, that's described for us in the earlier verses of Matthew 24. That's the traditional teaching of our fellowship, of our <coughs> group. 
our theological group called pre-tribulationalists. Um, if that's the case, and this lines up perfectly with the sixth seal, what does that mean the sixth seal represents? The end? Is that the coming of Christ to stand on earth? Well, no, we know that's not true because the seventh seal opens up the seven trumpet judgments and then there's the thunder judgments and then there's the bowl judgments. We know there's a lot to come. And so this correlation of exact description is totally abused by our traditional teaching of these passages. So either you've got to move the sixth seal all the way to the end somehow and insert the trumpet judgments where they don't belong, um, or you have to redefine this into something. It just doesn't work. The simplest, plainest, clearest indication is that after the church age, when we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God, we... The church must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. That's an act. At the end of these days, immediately, there will be a cataclysmic, cosmic event, globally, within which everyone will see the face, see the sign of Christ. They will see him in heaven. They'll, in the heavens, in the clouds, they'll look up and see him and go, oh, there he is. They'll see him in his holiness. They'll see him in his grandeur. They'll see him uh, as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And they'll see his righteousness and they will crumble. They haven't gotten their uh, energy to oppose him. Uh, that's going to come, believe it or not. Over the course of the next seven years, they're going to muster up enough energy and enough backbone to try to stand up to him. But at this point, they just crumble in front of him immediately when you're confronted with just the little glimpse of him. However long it is, we don't know, but it's a glimpse. There is an event that has to happen before we all get to heaven. In between this point in the timeline and us being already in heaven, there is another important event that we're going to study in chapter 7 next, next week or two weeks if you want to talk about blood moons, but I, we can do that later too. Um, there is another critical event, but these two events have to be the same and it correlates time-wise. They both come after a period of extended activity against the church. So what is, how does the church age end? Um, well, it ends with a bang, <laughs> okay? It doesn't end with a... And that's what's always been portrayed, that the end of the church age is just and we're gone. And that all the chaos on the earth is the result of, of Christian pilots and, and Christian taxi drivers and Christian... Elevator, we don't have elevator operators anymore, of Christian people being missing and then the crashes that happen all over the place. Wrong! That's not how the Bible describes it, that there's a secret little event that comes on everybody and suddenly, oh, where do all those people go? No. There's going to be a huge, cataclysmic, cosmic, global event that everyone will know this is the end of the world. 
And if you don't think the mentality of our society is already almost uh, subconsciously sensing it, you got to listen more. Come on, how many of your friends talk about, um, what do they describe it as, the zombie apocalypse? Come on, how many people talk about it? Your friends, you have friends talk about the zombie apocalypse? Yeah. Where did that come from? Look at how many of the, of the best-selling movies are apocalyptic. There's a, a, a fervor over there. There's this, there's this almost OCD over it. Where does that come from? Why is that there? And I'm convinced that that is part of what we are seeing in this, in this generation is that the hearts of men know uh, somehow, uh, like, a, like a sixth sense, that things are coming to a close. Things are, things, things are going to, something's going to happen. How many of you know a prepper? And no, I am not one. How many of you know a prepper? You've heard of them, okay? You know, prepper. I mean, if you look, you just look on online. You'll go into the prepper sites, and boy, they go on, on, on. Um, you know, and and by the way, one of my friends is a prepper, and and uh, on his Facebook page, he puts all this stuff out there. And do you know what the only sale item that increased number of sales on Black Friday this year? There's only mo- most of Black Friday was was kind of lower than last year. Except for one product. Do you know what that was? Guns and ammunition. Guns and ammunition. Meteorited Black Friday. They had more. It was the second highest of all time of, purchase, of, of requests for clearance to buy a gun. was Friday. 177,000 requests in this country alone to have permission from the government to buy a gun. What are they buying those guns for? Because they sense that something is coming down. And they think it's something they can shoot at. But you can't shoot at cosmic things falling on your head. You can't shoot at earthquakes. You can't shoot at these things. You can't shoot at Jesus. But in their hearts, they sense something's coming. And so when all of this occurs, they look up in the sky and says, we were worried about the Democrats, and it comes out that it was Jesus all the time that we should have been getting ready for. I should have prepared my heart instead of my little hideout. What do they call those places? They're bunkers. Yeah, I should have, I should have prepared my heart instead of a bunker. I should, have, I, should have, I should have fed on spiritual food instead of, instead of uh, stockpiling freeze-dried food. There's a sense that the world knows it's coming to an end. They sense it. And it's not just in this country. It really isn't. It's all over. And so this is what's coming. This is what sets off the, the, the big event within which there is a significant event for us called the rapture. But the idea that the entire event of the rapture is, in a twinkling of an eye, is really not what the Bible teaches. 
It teaches that there's this extended event within which there are multiple little events. Some of them cataclysmic. Some of them we go, wow, everybody gets to see Jesus? Everybody gets to see Jesus. Not just Christians. Everybody. They're going to be standing there with you. And you're going to be going, it's Jesus. They're going, oh man, it's Jesus. And you're, boom, you're gone. Ah, it's Jesus. He was right and I was wrong. There's not going to be any secret secret to this. Where'd they go? Must be aliens. No. They have seen where you went. Because they have seen the one who came and got you. Because they've been looking in the sky because all this is coming. This is the next big prophetic event. There are a lot of little signs to tell you the events coming, 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 closer, 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 closer. There's lots of those kind of signs. We did a whole study on signs of the times, remember? And so there's lots of those, but in terms of big event, this is what we wait for, the breaking of the sixth seal, which is a cataclysmic, cosmic, global event in which all men, not just Christians, all men will see Jesus in the clouds. But I want you to notice that both in Revelation and in Matthew 24, Jesus isn't on earth. He doesn't arrive on the earth. He is in the clouds, which is what Thessalonians tells us. Where will we meet Christ? In the clouds. And if you're waiting for a cloudy day, you don't have to worry about it because the sixth seal is going to do what to the whole sky? It's going to be rolled over like a scroll. It's going to be unnaturally cloudy all over the world. Christ comes, and they're going to see him. He's up there. He's not down here on the earth. He doesn't set foot here. He's in the clouds. Boom. We're gone. We're going to study that um, maybe next week. I'll, I'll see, but, but it's so exciting. I hate to just do it as half a sermon. And so this is the next event, the sixth seal. This is what we're waiting for. But the marker of it, in terms of why hasn't it happened yet, is this one, the last martyr. Hasn't happened. Which makes you kind of excited when you hear something say, they've killed more Christians. That sounds kind of morbid, but you kind of go, take hold your breath and wait for the ground to move. Was that the last one? Was that the last one? Maybe I need to be the last one. Am I ready to do that? Am I ready for the tribulation of this little while here on earth that's going to close out with this huge coming of Christ event? Not secret, very open, which is going to play out why we need deception uh, that God has forced men to believe lies. Because they saw it. And yet somehow they're going to be called upon to rebel against that one that they saw do exactly what, well, not exactly, because most Christians aren't teaching this is how it's going to go down, <laughs> uh, exactly what God said he was going to do. Okay? So that's the sixth seal. Uh, that's the next big, big, big thing. Uh, in the midst of that, when we, when those kinds of cataclysmic event happens, in the midst of that somewhere, 
will be the rapture. Um, we would all like to say, well, that's going to happen at the front end of it, um, but I don't see indication in Scripture that that's necessarily true. In fact, in Matthew 24, it's at the tail end of it. When they see Jesus in the clouds, then he will send his angels to gather us with a... Okay? So, if anything, we are anticipating this before we go... The is just kind of... I don't know where that came from, to tell you the truth. But the whole idea that the after and it's gone is because they've applied one phrase to the whole event instead of one aspect of the event. The one aspect that in a twinkling of eye refers to is how fast you're going to go from this flesh to your new bodies. Boom. You're not going to decay. You're not going to see death. You're not, it's not going to be an agonizing slow process. It's going to be boom. You're going to be with Christ. While the world is in anguish. And says, mountain, fall on me, please. I don't want to be around for what's coming. Or I'm afraid of what I see now. This is the event. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your revelation. And Lord, we uh, pray that we might uh, be serious-minded enough to recognize that this is not a time of comfort and of and of uh, easy living. We, we've had it easy, but Lord, um, your church age is a time when we are hated by the world, even as we love them and want to reach them for Christ. And Lord, uh, maybe the fact the world has been easy on us is, tells us maybe we haven't been doing what we ought to have been doing all this time. So Lord, give us boldness to live for you, to speak your name, to uh, live your truth, and uh, Brace for the consequences of that at the hands of an angry, bitter world that hates you, and so it should hate us. And Lord, knowing that uh, the day is coming when they will all see you, and we will be with you. Until that day, Lord, we pray we might be faithful in Christ Jesus' name.